Colossians, and I'm already going to correct myself. The Holy Spirit's letter to the Colossians, he's governing the pen of the Apostle Paul. The city of Colossae was in what is we today call modern-day Asia Minor, the western half of, this, of the nation of Turkey. It is about six miles from another fairly well-known city, Laodicea. And at the close of this letter, uh, Paul is going to say, hey, go send, take this letter over to the Laodiceans as well. Let them read it. And, uh, but here we are in this letter, beginning this letter to the Colossians. And as I noted earlier, that song in Christ alone really is a beautiful summary of what Paul is saying here in his letter to the Colossians. Where do we reside? What is, the, what is the resource that is available to us? Yes, we live in a hostile environment. Who are we? If you are an authentic follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're truly a redeemed one, that's the first thing reality about your relationship with God is you are redeemed. He took you, me, from a status of absolute condemnation. We were in Adam choosing to eat that forbidden fruit. The scripture says so. The effect of his sin and Eve's sin found its place in us and as in all of their descendants. We were born with a bent, fallen, rebellious nature, seeking out everything that was contrary to the holy God. That is our bent. We are dead, not only from the legal standpoint do we need forgiveness, but our very nature is corrupt. And God addresses both issues in the gospel. He addresses both issues in the gospel. The first issue is our standing of condemnation when our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Jesus of Nazareth? The Nicene Creed captures it biblically exactly right. He is Now, the way I learned it as a kid was he is very God of very God, very man of very man, joined together in one person. He is true God of true God, true man of true man, fully God, fully man, not half man, half God, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. He was perfect in his humanity because he was not of the seed of Adam. He was drawn from a woman. And so he, I hate to say this, guys, but the sinful nature and comes through the sperm, okay? <laughs> he was born a sinless, faultless human being. He is fully man, fully God, joined together in one person. His value in heaven's eyes is eternal. You cannot measure his value because he is God himself. He is God the Son. And God the Son, come as fully man, went to the cross. 
He is the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, He is the Lamb of God, perfect, perfect, who takes away the sin of the world. When He was nailed to that cross, all of the lake of fire penalty for sin due to the entire human race for an eternity was poured out on him. And he is able to bear that penalty, that etern- what would be to us an eternal penalty because of the eternal nature of his person. He is able to bear that penalty in a few hour span of time to the point where he cries out from the cross, his sixth statement from the cross, to Telestai, paid in full. He adjusts, that is the marketplace term and in the Roman court system term for paid in full. Your marketplace debt or your legal debt has been paid off. He had just paid off the legal debt before the holy God of the entire human race. Paid in full. And then his next statement was, Father, into your hands I dismiss my spirit. He was done. That addresses fully that we are moved from a standing of condemnation to a standing of unrestrained welcome before the holy God. Then we discover a nasty truth about ourselves within about, oh, 12 seconds of having come to faith in Christ. Oh, I still have this wicked nature in me, this bent towards it. What, What has God done? To address that issue, God the Holy Spirit came to dwell within us, to take up residence within us, so that all of heaven's resources on the spiritual level would be available to me, so that I don't have to walk according to the course of my fallen nature. I can now walk in defiance of my fallen nature. I can walk in the Spirit. Provision, 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 provision. I'm now going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. 
For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and do ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. What did Paul just set before us? He set before us our true place of residence in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, stop right there. So much, especially as we are reading the first verse or two of each of the, of each of the epistles, <coughs> the letters, there's a standard standard format that Paul and the other apostles use and we just get so used to it we, we walk right on by it and move on to verse 3 typically and that's where the message that we think is unique stop right there Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ if you were a first century Christian especially one who had been a resident say of Jerusalem in the early days and you read these words Paul But don't think Paul, think Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, a student of Gamaliel, the most illustrious Pharisaical teacher. He was the man holding the coats of the men related to us in the book of Acts who were stoning Stephen, the first martyr. Stoning Stephen to death. Why? Because Stephen told them the truth that they did not want to hear. And by the way, every single one of them, including Saul of Tarsus, knew it was the truth. As was stated accurately in our Sunday school class, there's no such thing as an atheist. You have people who claim to be atheists. They are lying to you. Stop it. Romans chapter 1 says every single resident on this planet knows that the true, the creator God who is righteous is the real God. They all know it. They just don't want to admit it because then they will have to, if they are having any integrity at all, respond to that reality. And apart from the gospel, there's no hope. But thankfully, there is a gospel. <laughs> there is a good news message. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, an apostle of Jesus. Him? Really? That guy? If there ever was a guy on the least likely list of all the members of the human race to be a servant of Jesus at all, let alone an apostle, it's this guy. This guy's very title, Apostle Paul, is a proof of God's mercy and grace. 
What a testimony. Uh, principle, he was at the tip of the spear of the persecution of God's people, the Jesus followers, when he got face planted outside the gates of Damascus, where he had gone to persecute Damascus, Syria. What a radical nut. He's got letters from the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem to go to this Gentile capital of that province and extend persecution to Jews in Damascus who had turned to Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah. When Jesus face plants him in the dirt outside the gates of Damascus, and that's when he comes to faith in the man who he already knows as Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and he becomes a servant of God and then is elevated to the place of being an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. By the will of God. Nobody would have picked this fellow. But God did. Nobody would have picked me. But God did. By the will of God and Timothy, our brother, the fellow with the Jewish mother, loyal to her God, and the Gentile, the Greek father, whom Paul actually discipled. He already was a useful disciple of the Lord Jesus when Paul met him, and then Paul gave him even, even greater training, and he accompanied Paul in much of his ministry. And Paul, by the way, as he is writing this letter, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are called the prison epistles. He's writing those three letters while under house arrest in Rome. That's where he is at the close of the book of Acts, and that's where he is when he is writing those three letters. To the saints, time out. <laughs> to the saints, to the holy ones. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, and this is the initiation of Isaiah's prophetic ministry, Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's seeing a vision into the heavenly temple. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and I'm seeing the angels of fire the seraphim, worshiping, worshiping, antiphonal song, back and forth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And Isaiah says, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, dwelling in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And his unclean lips were cleansed when an, a seraphim took the ember off of the altar and touched his lips. Your lips are cleansed. That's when he was called into his prophetic ministry. Holy, 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 Lord God of... The word translated saint is the same. It's hot. It, can, it depends on the context. It's the word just used to describe God. Hagias, holy. We are holy ones. How in the world? How in? How in? 
I went from being a condemned sinner to a holy one before the holy God. Folks, that has to be an act of God, of pure, what's the word he says? Grace. Grace. Now, it's so easy for us to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Christ, in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God. Okay, move right along. No, stop. Every single letter of Paul begins with that expression, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Except there are a couple where he inserts also the word mercy. Grace, mercy, and I'm in favor of that (laughs) insertion. Grace, don't just slide by these statements just because they're repeated. Grace, it's the same word we translate gift. We are, what brings us into the welcoming embrace of our God, our holy God, is his grace carried out on the cross, and he has gifted us with redemption, with forgiveness. And we live before the reality of the God who loves to give gifts. You older folks, like us, we got 17 grandkids. You know what? We don't have any problem stuffing candy into the mouths of our grandkids. We don't have any problem. We give, oh yes, oh here's some more. You want cake? Here you want pie? You, you, and, and what we have is theirs. What we have is there, so we can sugar them up and send them home. And so, but it's grace, grace, grace. You don't have a, and our Father loves to grace us. We walk from every step we take is a grace. He is, it is an enabling reality from our God. Grace to you. We are blessed to have the gift-giving God as our God. Grace to you and peace. Okay, I just have said this two or three times already. We do live in a hostile environment. We are surrounded by fallen angels. Demon. We call them demons. By the way, the word demon is from the Greek word daimon, a divine being. It's what the pagan Greeks and Romans called their gods and goddesses. Divine beings. Demons, but they're fallen angels. They are wicked in their nature. They are wicked in their nature. We are surrounded by them, but who has all authority in heaven and on earth? It is not them. It is our Lord Jesus Christ in whose provision and under whose shepherding we live. We dwell in that Reality, the reality of the presence of that God who has all power, all heaven. If he's got it all, what does that leave to the demons? Nothing but showing off. They can tap dance, but they can't, they can do, they can cheerlead themselves, but they can't actually perform on the field the way they claim they can when their opponent is the true and living God. It ain't, they don't stand a chance. Grace to you and peace. What are we doing here this morning? What is Paul doing in this letter to the Colossians? He is bringing them back to the basics. He is laying, relaying for them the foundation. He's already said to them, Epaphras, 
is, is the one who brought the gospel to them. Epaphras discipled them. And now he is reinforcing what Epaphras had brought to them. Back to the basics. Ladies and gentlemen, the further, and I think I'm, who is the guy that led the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers for, oh, Vince Lombardi. The further you get from the basics, the closer you get to defeat. Go back to the basics, back to the basics, back to the basics. And that's what Paul is doing here. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. God our Father. Constantly with us, all of His provision available, all of His household resources available to us. Grace to you and peace. To the saints and faithful brethren, loyal brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace. You can have peace in this hostile environment because the God who creates the peace for you, he is your defender. He is your shepherd. Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is for protecting you from the predators and the staff is for pulling you out of the, the thorny bushes you get yourself caught into. And I take comfort from the fact that my shepherd has both a rod and a staff. Hey, folks, our shepherd has a rod to beat off the predators and a staff to pull us out of the messes we get ourselves into. We give thanks to God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. We just finished the series in the letter to the Hebrews. And as I related to you, by the way, this isn't original with me. I get it from uh, great commentators. Hebrews chapter, the book of Hebrews, the last three chapters Chapter 11 is the faith chapter. Chapter 12 is the hope chapter. And chapter 13 is the love chapter. Faith, hope, love. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all the saints, because of the hope. I have faith in Christ, not only the Christ the Redeemer, but the Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for me. He is my advocate in the presence of the Father. 1 John 2, 1 and 2, my little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. I'm going to give you some advice. Don't sin. Javier, don't sin. Vincent, don't sin. Julie, don't sin. Okay. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, a defense attorney, a high priest with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous, who is, do you want him for your defense attorney? Who is the satisfaction, the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He is there in heaven, speaking on our behalf to the Father, and all of heaven's resources are made available to us. 
What does he say? Giving thanks to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all the saints, your spirit of servanthood is being demonstrated on a daily basis. You are foot washers. You're washing one another's feet. One of the things I loved, we talked about this young lady, Mariah, and praying for her, who's going to be going to the mission field. And on the internet, here was this beautiful, these photographs of her own parents and other people washing her feet in this public ceremony, commissioning her. But they were, they were washing her feet, commissioning her to do what? Become a, be more of a foot washer. We are all to be foot washers. Jesus washed the feet of all of the apostles, including Judas Iscariot, at the Last Supper. And then he said, you are to love one another. You are to do for one another what I did for you. And that was the most humbling act in that culture that any person could do for another person was wash their feet. Their streets were filthy. I won't go any deeper into that. But they were filthy. You have love for the saints. But your faith and your love for all the saints your faith in God, Christ, your love for the saints. Why? Because of, because of the hope, the expectation, which is laid up for you in heaven. The day is coming. We are going to be stepped into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, a place of unrestrained holiness, glory, joy, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. This message is going through all the world. And the Roman world was a hostile environment. It was a hostile place. Every one of the 12 apostles was martyred. Now, the one they tried to martyr and failed at was the apostle john they threw him in a in a pot of boiling oil that was supposed to be his execution it didn't kill him so they sent him to a prison island off the coast of uh what is modern day turkey between turkey and greece called patmos and you know jesus wasn't done with him yet i've got this book of revelation i'm gonna funnel through you but the others were all martyred Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And when those apostles and so many other disciples were martyred, they were doing it. That word martyr, martyros, is the Greek word for witness. That's why they got called martyrs, because they died being burned at the stake in the Roman Colosseum, crucified in the Roman Colosseum, thrown to the lions in the Roman Colosseum, and all those other places of... Uh, wonderful venues, you know, that they had throughout the Roman world. And they were giving glory to God and forgiving their tormentors. Can we call that a witness? 
Why? Because of the hope laid up for them in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you. Since the day you heard and knew the grace, the gifting of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister, servant of Christ, on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in this spirit. As Paul is writing this letter, Epaphras is there. The one who had brought the gospel to them is giving this testimony to Paul. Paul is now writing this letter that Epaphras will take back with him to the Colossian church. Who also declared to us your love in the spirit for this reason. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Stop for a second. They had wonderful testifiers in the early church. They had very little, and of course this church is going to receive this letter even after the New Testament had come together and was being... Folks, the printing press was invented by God. (laughs) Before the printing press, access to either the Hebrew Scriptures or the Greek New Testament or the Latin, later, uh, later Latin (laughs) translations was very rare. Most people didn't have any access to it. And if they did, they were instructed by the Roman Catholic Church, don't you dare read that, don't you dare read that. And I just love that testimony of that fellow, uh, very, 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 very devoted Roman Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther, who was so hard on himself that even the head of the monastery said, man, you need to lighten up. You're really hard in it. Stop it. And then he asked Martin Luther, the printed Bibles are just beginning to show up. Martin, would you study the book of Romans for the rest of us and then turn around and teach it to the rest of us here in the monastery? That's how little, they're Augustinian monks, and had they been reading? No, they had not. So Martin Luther, for the first time in his life, sat down and read and studied the book of Romans, and it blew his mind because it was absolutely the opposite of what he had been told was the way in which you approach the true and living holy God. You don't do it by beating yourself with rods, which is what they did. It was one of the things, regimens they did to themselves, starving themselves. What? Jesus got it all done? All I have to do is exercise, abandon trust in my own works in favor of the works of Christ (coughs) as my Redeemer? And I find a welcome with God. I am justified by faith in the work of Christ alone? Man, this is so great. How come nobody ever told me this before? And I was told by a local Lutheran minister, this was news to me. He said, when Martin Luther put this stuff out, 
he thought everybody would be tap dancing. He wasn't expecting opposition. And instead, his, he had to be hidden in a castle for two years because they were out looking to kill him. Because he said, oh, the real Bible message is we find a welcome with God solely based on Jesus' work and we just accept it and it's done forever. What is it that the Colossians did? I want you to be filled with all the knowledge of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we have resources available to us. The Colossians didn't. Now, they had loyal servants. They had Epaphras. They had others who came and spoke to them. You need to be wearing this book out, folks. You need to be wearing... This is where you need to be constantly, incessantly. It is where you need to be because it is God's resource for you. It feeds you. It strengthens you. It puts the armor on. It is how you go through the process of putting on the full armor of God so that you can survive and thrive and actually have victory in this hostile environment that you may be filled this is our prayer for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god the more you dwell in his word the more you are in prayer to him the more you find out the details of what your God is like and every aspect of who he is is your resource. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preaching this to myself as much as to you. Believe me. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Strengthened according to his glorious power, which cannot be measured for all patience and long suffering it is a lengthy battle patience long suffering oh with joy with joy ask yourself this simple question when david stood before goliath the entire israeli army is quaking in their sandals because they're buying everything goliath's selling the only one who wasn't buying what Goliath was selling with this was this young fellow, David. He wasn't threatened. He wasn't quaking. He knows victory is his. He knows it. He's already smiling. He's already glad because he knows the God of victory is with him. Oh, by the way, Saul, yeah, I already killed a lion. I already killed a bear. What's this guy? The same God who gave me victory facing the lion, victory facing the bear. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that same God who was there beside David, strengthening David, living in David, and by the way, the Holy Spirit had taken up residence in him sometime before that when Samuel the prophet anointed him. He's in joy in the midst of the battle he knows victory is assured, and so is it for you and I. 
for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And as you trust in Him in the midst of your trial, guess what? You're also setting up kingdom glory rewards for yourself. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Has He delivered us from the presence of darkness? No, but He's delivered us from its power. It's just words now that I don't have to embrace. I don't have to accept. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom, the realm of the Son of His love. I don't walk in Satan's realm. I walk in Jesus' realm. Satan pretends to be the king of this place, but he is not. Jesus is. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. I don't have to accept Goliath's threats. And conveyed us into the kingdom, the realm of the Son of His love, whom he, in whom... Here's proof number one of God's loyalty and love for us in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Folks, he already emptied the bank for you when he gave his son on the cross for you. Frankly, all the rest of this stuff is pocket change. He's already done the biggest possible thing. Everything else by comparison is Hardly anything at all. Don't doubt his presence, his power, his provision. It's there. Believe it, trust it, walk in it, but also incessantly be in the word, becoming people of his word, his promises, his declarations, so that you can walk in the victory that is rightfully yours. That's what Paul is praying for. For, for them and for us. Well, let's join the apostle in his prayers for us and the Colossians. May we? Our Lord, we are just like the Colossian Christians. We need to know and have a steadfast, powerful grip on the reality of who our Lord Jesus is in the provision of his power we walk in his dominion, in his realm. We do not need to believe Satan's threats because you are, have all the power in heaven and on earth. All power that leaves him nothing. We ask that we might be men and women who are people of your promises, people of your declarations, people of your word, so that we can walk in it. We need to constantly be reinforcing our own, strengthening our own spirits by being people of your word. This is the food you've given to us to eat. May we truly walk in it. And discipline ourselves every day to be in your word so that we can walk in all of your provision. We ask for this to be a more, a bigger reality 
than it has ever been in our lives so that we can see your victory on a daily basis in our life experience. We ask for this of you, our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this of you in your name. Amen.